Tony's going to keep on passing out some uh, pieces of paper here. Was there an extra one in the first row? Did, have you got an extra one, Lauren? You know, but you're going to need one too. No, you're going to need one too. Tony, when you, if, when you get a chance, we could use one more right here. He's going to continue doing that. You guys just uh, pass those down as they come, and we'll explain a little bit more about these as we uh, move on through our uh, gathering this morning. Well, over the past six weeks, we've been exploring our purpose as humans in our fall sermon series, Marching Orders. If you've been around at least some of the last weeks, you've heard us talking about that. We've found that Scripture reveals that our purpose is to what? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We learned that to glorify God means to feel, think, and act in ways that reflect God's greatness. We discovered that some of the ways that we glorify God include introducing people to Jesus, becoming fully devoted followers, obeying the great commandment, and obeying the great commission. Today and next Sunday... We're going to explore one of the activities needed to fulfill our marching orders, prayer. Prayer involves talking with and listening to God. Have you ever wanted to uh, talk with God in prayer, but the words just didn't seem to come? Have you ever known someone who seemed to be able to talk freely to God in prayer and wish you could do that? Have you ever wondered how to pray? Well, if you answered yes to any of those questions, you're not alone. Jesus' disciples had the very same questions and desires. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, Jesus teaches his followers and he teaches you and me about prayer. These verses are often called the Lord's Prayer. However, they can really more accurately be called the disciples' prayer because the petitions Jesus suggests serve as a sample prayer for his disciples, for his followers. Jesus begins the prayer by saying, this then is how you should pray. The invocation and the six petitions that follow serve as a guide, a model of how Christ followers like you and me should pray. The prayer illustrates key components and attitudes that Jesus' disciples should incorporate into their prayers. We may choose to pray Jesus' exact words thoughtfully and reflectively, or better yet, We can use them as an example of how to pray using our own words. The first three petitions in the prayer concern God's honor, his kingdom, and his will. The last three petitions concern our needs as humans. The prayer places God's concerns first. Just as in the Ten Commandments, the first commandments concern the duties we owe to God, and the latter commandments, the duties we owe to our neighbors. In our day, the order is usually reversed. We often begin our prayers with human needs and 
Unfortunately, we often never get around to God and his glory. So many times our prayers are focused on ourselves. This is not the way Jesus taught us to pray. Today, we focus on the first half of the prayer, the invocation and the first three petitions. These petitions focus exclusively on God and his agenda. Believers are taught to adore God, worship him, and submit to his will before we pray for our own needs. The prayer starts with a four-word invocation. I want us to read it together. You ready? Here we go. Our Father in heaven. The first word in the prayer is what? Our. The word our is used here and throughout the prayer. It reminds us that our praying is to be done in community. Our praying should reflect the corporate unity, desires, and needs of the entire church. It's not wrong to pray privately. Indeed, Jesus encourages private prayer. But the disciples' prayer teaches us that for all who have placed their faith and trust in his son Jesus, God is our Father. The second word in the disciples' prayer is Father. To call God Father suggests God's immediate presence and his care for the members of his family. God isn't a distant God. He's not a God who needs to be appeased. He is as accessible as the most loving parent. It's nearly an unbelievable privilege for us to call God Father. This was an unknown name in most prayers in biblical times. In the Old Testament, the word Father appears in reference to God only 14 times, and never once does any individual Israelite address God directly as my Father. It would have been considered much too intimate, even blasphemous. In fact, the Jews of Jesus' day used terms like the Most High or Lord instead of saying God's name. Jesus overturned all of this. He always referred to God as his Father. Here in these verses, Jesus authorizes and invites his followers to do likewise. Jesus' teaching to address God as Father was It was revolutionary. It involved a totally new understanding of the nature of God. In fact, Jesus went even further than calling God Father. He used the intimate Aramaic word, Abba, the equivalent of our English word, Daddy, to address God in his prayers. Paul tells us that we, too, can call God Abba. Daddy. Jesus taught us to see and refer to God intimately as our Father. However, we see something else about God's nature in this invocation. Jesus also reminds us that God is not like us. God is different than we are. God is not bound to this earth. He is not a creature. He is in heaven. He is the creator. With the phrase in heaven, Jesus balances God's accessibility and the intimacy he affords us 
with God's sovereignty, majesty, transcendence, and infinite greatness. Jesus reminds us through this phrase, in heaven, that we are never to come to God casually or flippantly. You know, I I think we can easily find ourselves in one of two extremes. Some people see God as distant, uncaring, and uninvolved. They've never experienced the intimacy with God that Jesus reveals as possible in the word Father. Others think casually of God as their co-pilot, their buddy, or as the old man upstairs who winks at or glosses over sin. Both pictures of God are grossly inaccurate. Do you find yourself this morning in one of these two extremes or leaning towards one of these two extremes? Well, we're going to talk about that more today because today and next Sunday, the sermons are going to be a bit out of the box. We're not going to just learn about prayer. We're going to invite you to practice what you learn. The messages will include three parts, and each part will feature a short teaching, some practice praying, and then some worship. Now, Tony has distributed sheets of paper during the offering uh, or earlier in the service that look like this. I'm going to ask you to pull these out right now. And if you don't have one, or if you need a pen, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And the ushers are coming right now to the front quickly, and they're looking for your hands, and they'll either give you one of these because everybody's going to need one, or if you need a pen. There are some pens in the seat backs, some of the seat backs in front of you, but if you need a pen, let us know. Ushers, come all the way to the front, yeah, so you can see people easier, and then you can make your way to the back. Lee, did you, uh, did you, you got one? Okay. Raise your hand if you need one of these or you need a pen, and the ushers will be glad to assist you. Thank you so much. Uh, Sean and Arnold. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to use your paper on the blank side of it and to compose a short but heartfelt prayer to God. I'm going to invite you to write a prayer that does one of four things, and they're up here on the screen. To write a prayer that thanks God that he is your father and or a prayer that asks him to show you that he is a good father, and or a prayer that asks him to reveal his fatherly love for you, and or a prayer that says sorry for thinking of and treating him casually. You listen to the Holy Spirit right now and decide which one of those four thoughts you're going to use to Write a prayer to your heavenly Father. Nobody else is going to see this. These are not going to be turned in. This is just between you and God. So as we uh, listen to some quiet music, let's all write a prayer. I'm going to do the same thing. Well, the invocation in the disciples' prayer is our Father in heaven. The first petition in the prayer is... Hallowed be your name. Another way to say this is, let your name be made holy. This is a prayer that God will bring us and all people to a proper attitude toward God.
It expresses an aspiration that God, who is holy, will be seen to be holy and treated throughout his creation as holy. To hallow God's name means to hold it in reverence, hence to hold God himself in reverence. It means to honor, to glorify, and to exalt him as God. For, for us, our name is usually just a personal designation. But in antiquity, a person's name was much more important. A name represented one's person, one's character, and one's authority. The name and the quality associated with the name went together. An example is the name Jesus. The name Jesus means Savior. Matthew 1.21 tells us that God's Son was named Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. The name and the activity associated with that name went together. God's name stands for God himself. Hence, to treat God's name as holy is to honor him as he is revealed in Scripture. It is to hold him in the highest reverence and exalt him above all others. There are many names for God revealed to us in Scripture, including Elohim, God or the Creator, El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty, El Elyon, the Most High God, Adonai, which means Lord or Master, I am who I am, the self-existent one. Yahweh, Lord, Jehovah. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord, my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is present. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord who sanctifies you. El Olam, the everlasting God. Kana, God who is jealous. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. And those are just some of the names found of God in the Old Testament, the New Testament is filled with many, many more. Let me ask you a question. What aspect of God's person, of God's character, of God's authority is the Holy Spirit calling you to honor, to treat as holy right now, this morning? Perhaps you're facing a financial hardship God calls you to honor him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, your provider. Perhaps you're facing condemnation for sins you have already confessed and forsaken from your past. God calls you to honor him as Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord, your righteousness. Perhaps you're battling physical illness. God calls you to honor him this morning as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer. Perhaps you've never truly experienced the loving presence of God in your life. God calls you to honor him as your heavenly 
father. Perhaps you're full of worry and anxiety and about some burden you're carrying. God calls you this morning to honor him as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, your peace. Perhaps you've never surrendered control of your life to God and to his son, Jesus. God calls you to honor him this morning as Adonai, as Lord and master of your life. I believe that a few moments ago as I read those names of God, these descriptions of his character, that one or more of those names stood out to you. I believe that's the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to take a few moments to pray again, to do some practice praying, to talk to God and to hallow his name, to honor him. We're going to do something a bit different, maybe a bit different for some of us. We're all going to pray at the same time in quiet voices, yet aloud. There's something powerful, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, there's something powerful that happens within us when we talk to God out loud. It builds and strengthens our faith and helps us to connect with God in a way that praying silently often doesn't do. So in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to join me and everyone else here in creating an audible hum of prayer in this room as we honor God's name. Now, some of you are thinking, well, Kent, I'm not sure what to say. Well, on that piece of paper that you just signed, and I I put somewhere here, what have I done with mine? My goodness. Lauren, hold yours up. (laughs) There it is. On the flip side from the note that you wrote, There's a prayer there. It's also going to be listed on the screen. And there are a couple of blanks. There's a couple of blanks for you to insert a name of God that you are feeling led, that you're feeling prompted to honor this morning. Remember, when we honor the name, we honor the person. When we honor God's name, we are honoring him. And so I want to encourage you to pray this prayer. It's on your sheet. Think about it just a moment now. What name of God that you're going to put into, your, into, into the blanks there. And then in a moment, the music is going to start. And as soon as the music starts, just very quietly but aloud, I'm going to invite us all, including myself, to say, these, to say this prayer to God from our heart. So if we would, let's start the music right now. The final petition we'll examine today is really two petitions that are coupled together. They deal with God's kingdom and with God's will. Let's read them aloud. You ready? Here we go. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This petition expresses the hope of God's people throughout all of history, that God's kingdom will come. Israel was waiting for the Messiah, and they expected him to establish a kingdom that ruled the world. 
Jesus did inaugurate the kingdom of heaven at his first coming. God's Messiah is here and is at work bringing the sovereign and saving rule of God. When he comes again, his rule will be consummated and every creature in heaven and earth will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As we pray, your kingdom come, we align ourselves with God's plan and purposes. We embrace Jesus' own practice of prayer. We join his kingdom movement. We seek God's power in furthering the kingdom's ultimate fulfillment. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, expresses the desire that the acknowledgement of God's reign and the accomplishment of his purposes take place in this world, even as they already do in God's throne room. Whenever and wherever the kingdom of heaven exerts its presence, God's will is experienced. In heaven, God's will is perfectly done now, for there is nothing to hinder it. This petition looks for a similar state of affairs here on earth. It asks that the earth will experience the same perfect rule of God. Jesus' own utmost act of obedience in his earthly ministry was to submit to the will of his Father. He declared this allegiance at the beginning of his ministry. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was still submitting to the Father's will in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prepared to go to the cross. With the inauguration of the kingdom, those who carry out the Father's will become Jesus' disciples. We display the reality of the kingdom of heaven as we remain faithful to that will for our lives. The complete experience of God's will on earth will occur only when his kingdom comes to earth in its final form, causing an overthrow of all evil rule and completing the regeneration of this earth. But Jesus' disciples, you and me, are the present living testimony to the world that God's will, his rule and reign can be experienced today. This petition, this petition involves more than passive acquiescence. It calls for our active identification with the working out of the divine purpose. If we pray your will be done, we must choose to live in submission to God's will. When we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, we are asking that we might live in growing obedience to God's declared desires as they are found in Scripture, and that the day may quickly come when sin will be judged and the whole universe becomes subject to God's will, even as believers choose to be subject now. This should be our earnest desire, and we should always be careful to examine the attitudes of our hearts and our day-by-day -day actions so that they are in accordance with it. In our final prayer segment this morning, we're going to pray in a different way. We're going to pray in small clusters of three to four people. We're going to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. And to help you, I've given you some specific things that you can pray as we pray that God's kingdom would come and that his will would be done. We can each pray for somebody we know who doesn't know Jesus, that they would discover and that they would receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. You say, well, how's that connected with God's will? It's God's will that none should perish. It's God's will that all should come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants all people to come and be a part of his family, to become his children and to be, to be with him. And so when we pray for somebody else by name, we are praying according to the will of God. We can pray that we, God's people, right here at Hawkwood Baptist Church, would forsake sinful attitudes and actions. I can pray that for myself. You can pray that for yourselves, and we can pray that for one another. We can pray that we, God's people at Hawkwood, would become fully devoted followers of Jesus who deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him day by day. We can pray that we, God's people at Hawkwood Baptist Church, would grow in our passion to introduce people to Jesus. We can pray that we, God's people at Hawkwood Baptist Church, would live out the great commandment and the great commission that we've just looked at in in prior weeks. I want you to keep your prayers short, yet heartfelt, so that everyone has a chance to pray. This is not a time where you need to pray for five minutes and then say, okay, it's your turn. Not everybody else will get a chance. So right now, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you right where you are to look around the people around you. Just look around at them right now in front. Some of you may have to look behind you. I want you to find three or four other people that you can turn and that you can face. And we're going to pray these requests that are on the screen here. We're going to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will will would be done. Now, some of you may need to move physically to a different chair. We don't want anybody to be left out. Uh, We don't want Sam sitting over there by himself and just praying by himself. We want at least to have another person praying with him. We're kind of going for groups of three to four. If you go five, six, seven, it's, it's too unwieldy. So let's do that right now. Ensure that nobody's left out. And for the next few minutes, as the music play, prays, let's pray these prayer requests before God in our small clusters.